On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about young people and what they need. Yeah, the, we're really concerned for our young people. We want them to do well in life. We especially want them to do well spiritually. What kind of things are important for our young people? We want to talk about that on a Virtual Bible Study tonight. It should be a good discussion, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 25th, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. got some special guests in the audience tonight. My father, Nick Law, is here. Uh, Nick, welcome to the program. And right, good to right, be with right. you. No, we we're not plugged me. in there. We'll get that. Okay. And uh, my brother-in-law, Mark Hall, is behind the controls tonight, first time, and he's white-knuckling it all the way, all and right. we are too, good. but Great. we're going to make it. All right, good. good and we've got, a, we've got a special guest on the phone line with us, Jacob. Are we, are we able to hear Paul? We are. Paul, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. There we are. Paul Smithson's joining us from Tullahoma, Tennessee. It's great to have you with us uh, tonight, Paul, for just a few minutes here as we start the virtual Bible study. The reason we want you to join us for a few minutes is to talk about a special series of lessons that you're going to be bringing us here at College View on Saturday and Sunday of this week. Uh, we, we've been doing this usually in January, having a, a short weekend series with lessons that are especially geared to young people and their needs, but also to address all of us. Uh, and so we kind of advertised this weekend as a, a special a lesson of series for young people, their parents, families, and all others. Uh, we want everybody to come. But, Paul, you've uh, put some lessons together to sort of uh, urge our young people on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I appreciate the opportunity to, to be able to come and study with all this this coming weekend. And uh, it's my desire to do these lessons that we study together from God's Word that we can come to see and and believe, as the Apostle Paul you know, declared in Philippians 4 13, that we can do all things through Christ and His strength. Um, we, you know, I think we set ourselves up for failure whenever we look to ourselves and our own strength. We've got obligations, we've got responsibilities before God, but we can never faithfully fulfill our duties and reach our goals with, without faith in God's power. Right. And right. so I want to emphasize in this to, to the young people and, and um, those who are parents, grandparents, all these things are important for us, that we realize and understand that we can, when we give ourselves to the Lord, when we follow him, learn of him, which is, you know, that's what all about being a disciple is. Um, then we kind of realize that we can do anything that God desires us to do. Yeah, I think there's a, um, I think there's sort of been this expectation that's, that's grown common that young people are going to just, young people are not going to do well until they get older. Uh, maybe after they've had a chance to sort of experience the world and, fall on their face several times and, and maybe get involved in some 
different forms of immorality and so forth. And, and, and what we hope is that eventually at some point they'll come to themselves and come back out of that. But uh, what we want to emphasize to them is that, and you've entitled your series of lessons, you can do this. You can do these various things that, that uh, you're going to be describing in the lessons uh, with God's help, with the strength that he provides. Even young people in a wicked world can be faithful. Well, some of the great examples that we have in the scriptures are, are young people who were faithful to God. Sometimes many, many times showing uh, an example um, and a pattern for those who were older. You know, we think of David and, and compare him to Saul. Um, there's so many things that, that we can learn and understand that we can do, regardless of our age, really, when we completely give ourselves and faithful service to the Lord. You know, Paul in Ephesians 3.20 says that we're able to do far more abundantly, you know, than what we even ask or think yeah. through the power that works in us, but we've got to allow that to, to be. You know, some of these lessons that we're looking at, you know, think about all the bombardment that our uh, society, you know, puts toward us all the time, especially one of the lessons we're going to be looking at is, you know, striving to be holy in the digital world, you know, all this technology that we have, being a wonderful thing, just like, you know, this this program, there's some great things that can be done with technology. But I think we all understand without, you know, hundreds of channels to view at the touch of a remote and millions of websites to access to, you know, just to the click of a mouse, all these things can be can be harmful if we're not very careful. Exactly. The Bible sets guidelines, t- shows us, you know, what to do, how to do. If we'll follow that, then we can overcome these temptations. Yeah. Let me read um, down through this list of, of topics that you're going to bring to us. Now, we're going to meet on Saturday at 4 in the afternoon and then another session at 7. So if, for all of our listeners in the Middle Tennessee area, if you're within a driving distance of of Columbia, we hope you'll come. Saturday, this is, our times are a little unusual, but this is the way we've worked it out. Saturday at 4 and 7. The 4 o'clock lesson, you can be holy in a digital age. And the 7 o'clock lesson, you can keep your sexual purity, which I think is such an important thing for us to stress to young people because, as you've been pointing out, Paul, there's just all kinds of temptations. Uh, and it's actually become the accepted norm for young people not to be sexually pure. And uh, and so we need to urge that our young people that you can be sexually pure even in this wicked world that tries to influence you to do otherwise. Well, it's important that we we study the scriptures what God's will is for us in terms of these things. Well, sexual purity is just something that's almost non-existent in our society. Yeah, you know, our culture accepts and promotes you know sexual relationship outside of marriage, and and um, you know it's. A sexual relationship outside of marriage is considered the norm, not sinful. Exactly. And uh, those who, you know, abstain from that um, are viewed as sometimes, you know, odd and are ridiculed. But we need to know what God says about it. And um, know that, you know, the relationship between a man and a woman is something that's holy. And um, and it's good. It's not ugly or uh, sinful when it's fulfilled in the proper place. And uh, we want to look at what God's Word has to say about it and show, you know, that we can abstain from sexual immorality and that we can enjoy um, 
the blessings that God has placed within marriage as we just follow His will. All right, so that that's such an important lesson. That's going to be seven o'clock on the Saturday evening. So four o'clock and seven o'clock Saturday. Then we'll meet at our regular times on Sunday morning. We'll have a, our Bible class hour at nine thirty and our worship at ten thirty. At nine thirty, your topic is you can bridle your tongue. That's another important thing for us all, not just for young people, but making sure that we have purity of speech is an important thing. Well, the Bible teaches that there's no other member of our body that's capable of affecting more people for good or bad than the tongue. Uh, you know, what we say and how we say it, the Scriptures tell us that it can have an effect not only on our lives here, we understand that, um, but it also, you know, has an effect on where we spend eternity. Exactly. Uh, Matthew the 12th chapter, Jesus said, you know, by your word you'll be justified, and by your word you should be condemned. You know, every careless word that we speak, you said, we'll render account for in the day of judgment. We use it every day, and we've got to really think about what we use. James will look at some of this in James chapter 3. Yeah. Uh, because we can kind of have the kind of control we need over our, our tongue, which is going to be directed to our heart. Then we can have the kind of control that we need to have in other areas of our lives. So that's you know one of the most important things we look at, I think. Very good, very good. Ten, so that's 9.30 Sunday morning. 10.30 Sunday morning, you can have the proper influence. Uh uh, I, I think young people might imagine that the business of influence is something for older people to worry about, but young people need to realize they have a powerful influence, and, they, and, and for good or bad, they have an influence uh, in this world. Well, sometimes young people can have greater influence than the older I ones, think so, yeah. Uh, for good. You know, we all have influence, you know, whether it's good or bad. The Lord demands that we have a good um, He tells us, you know, to be a light of the world, uh, that we're to be salt of the earth. You know, but somebody's watching you, uh, whether it's, you know, in the church or if it's at home or at work or at school or someone on the ball team or, you know, it's somewhere in the neighborhood. Somebody's looking up to you. A lot of people think, oh, nobody watches me here. Uh, my influence is not important, but everybody has an influence. And um, how you live, how you act, what you say, um, that's your influence. And, and we're going to talk about what God says about that, how that we can have a good one, how we must. Uh, if we're going to be pleasing to him. And there again, that's a lesson that we all, that young people need to hear, but we all need to hear it. And, and our emphasis is on everybody, lessons that are applicable to young and old alike. And then the final one, Paul, we're going to have our final session. So you, we're going to put you to work, buddy. We're going to, we're going to get five <laughs> lessons out of you in less than 24 hours. Now the fifth and final lesson will be at 2.30 on Sunday afternoon. And it is you can save others with the gospel. What what are you going to talk about in that session, Paul? Well, to be a disciple of Christ, we should be teaching the gospel. I think there's a lot of people who are missing uh, what they need to know about this important responsibility. Jesus said in Luke 19, 10, of course, that he came to seek and save that which was lost, and we're his disciple. We're we'll a learner and follow him. We're going to be seeking and saving people with the gospel. Um I want us to look at what the Bible says about how that we can do that. I think there's some people who just feel, you know, maybe only the preacher or select few in the congregation. But, you know, even if you're just a new Christian, you know enough to teach someone what you did to become a Christian, and we have that responsibility. And in that, you'll find joy that's inexpressible. I, some, some Christians are failing not only their responsibility to share the gospel with people, but they're just mentioning out on one of the greatest avenues of joy that they can experience. Right. 
uh, allowing themselves to be used as an instrument of God uh, to take the saving power of the gospel to others and see that work in people's lives to save their soul and change their lives. You know, there's just no greater joy than that. Yeah. Exactly right, and that's that's again a lesson we all need to hear. Now let me run down through this uh, list of ser- sermons one more time. Friday, or excuse me, not Friday, Saturday. We're not meeting Friday. It's Saturday at four. You can be holy in a digital age. Saturday at seven, you can keep your sexual purity. Sunday morning at nine thirty, you can bridle your tongue. At ten thirty, you can have the proper influence. And at 2.30, Sunday afternoon, you can save others with the gospel. Man, Paul, these sound like great lessons that we all need to hear. We're sure looking forward to it. Well, I'm looking forward to being with you. And I tell you it's my drive that, you know, these lessons will be good for all of us. I mean it. And uh, I think these are just things that we all need to think about, that we can do these things through the responsibilities that God has given us. But through his power, we can do all things. All right. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you Saturday, Paul, and we're looking forward to these great lessons. And again, we want to encourage everybody who's listening. If you're anywhere close to a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we need you to come and hear these great lessons that uh, Paul's going to be bringing us uh, beginning Saturday at 4. Jacob? All right. No, looking forward to it, Paul. Uh, again, that's this Saturday, the January 27th and 28th, 2018. All right, buddy. We're going to let you, we'll you, let you go, and we'll look forward to seeing you Saturday, Lord willing. All right. Thanks, All right. Paul. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. 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 All right. Now, and, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, and if you are within the driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, you'll want to be here in person. But uh, we're going to podcast these things as well. Okay. Oh, well, maybe you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Maybe well, you shouldn't I mean, give, now people are all excited. Of thinking, well, well, I can't get there. We're going to podcast it. You'll, okay. You can hear it there. Uh, but you'll if you're in there in, in driving distance, it certainly will be better in person. We encourage you to come and uh, study with us uh, this Friday and Saturday, January 27th and 28th, 2018. Uh, we're going to go get a break, and we'll get back. We want to talk some more about what our young people need. Certainly lots of needs in our society today, but it's not unusual. It's been this way uh, throughout time that young people have lots of needs uh, spiritually. We want to talk about those on the program tonight. Young people have needs. It is our responsibility as older folks, and uh, as the church to attend to those needs, and we want to talk about what those are so we can be helping our young people. And uh, we'll get into that discussion on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin 
and it's never funny. Here's some quotes worth pondering. People who have no charity for the faults of others are generally blind to their own. If you want to set the world right, start with yourself. Christianity is most often judged by what others see of it in you. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. You can email your thoughts to questions at collegeview.com, as several of our listeners have, or you can sign into the chat room with other listeners tonight, as several folks have there in the chat room tonight. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. You sent out some questions for us earlier today to talk about what our young people need. Certainly, there are a lot of needs. Well, we thought it would people. be a good topic for us to discuss in conjunction with our upcoming special series that we just talked to Paul Smithson about. I tell you what, those lessons really sound good to me, Jacob. I, I think they're going to be helpful to everybody. Uh, the, the design of this weekend is is with lessons that are especially designed to be especially helpful for young people. But for everybody uh, as well. And so it's not just a teen weekend. It's a weekend for us all. And we're trying to uh, hit on some lesson topics there that Paul has designed for us that we think will really be helpful. And and, and it, it really sounds good. And I don't know. Uh, I'm sure a number of our listeners preach before. I want to tell you, Paul is a good preacher, and he is really easy to listen to. I really enjoy hearing Paul preach. And I think you, if, you, if you're able to be here for this series, you, you will not be sorry. But it's going to be meaty, not just a lot of uh, funny stories or entertainment for young people and make them laugh. It's just going to be uh, grounded in the Scriptures, and that's Oh, important. there'll be a lot of Scripture. But I'll tell you, Paul, you won't have any, under, any trouble understanding what he means when he tells oh, that's you. That's right. Yeah, he does a great he, job. He gets it right. Right down there, breaking it down for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, because of that, plans for that series on Saturday and Sunday, we decided we would talk about the kind of things that our young people really need. And so I sent out earlier today to our update list. If you're not on our list, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We'll do it. And on Thursday about midday, we'll send out an update and tell you what we're talking about. And today we sent this out with these questions asked that we hope to cover. What is your opinion of youth groups? What about special programs and events exclusively for young people? Is it helpful to segregate the young people from the church as a whole? Uh, and then comment on these things that, uh, and how our young people need these things. Pure Bible teaching, respect for authority, consideration for choices and consequences, and good examples from parents and other Christians. And then anything else, do you know, can you think of or see other essential things in helping our young people to grow and mature spiritually? All right. Because that's what we really want. That's what we're most interested in. We want to see our, our young people growing, maturing spiritually. All right. Let's hear your thoughts. Uh, send them in the chat room if you're signed in there listening to us live tonight. Uh, that's the best. That'll be the quickest way for your comments to be heard. So we started out with the question, what's your opinion of youth groups and special programs and events exclusively for young people? Um, first of all, if we talk about youth groups, typically what is meant in the religious world at large is um, usually just sort of fun and games, recreation, social events, entertainment for the young people. And uh, I think uh, at least a couple of those who've responded by email have hit on the fact that obviously there's no Bible authority for that. There's there's no there's no Bible authority for the church to provide that sort of thing 
uh, for young people or any other people. It's not the church's business. Now, do do young people need to have fun, entertained in, uh, at time? Of course, uh, we all need recreation and entertainment from time to time. But that's not the realm of the church, and it's not the work of the church to be providing that. We've talked quite a bit recently on the virtual Bible study about Bible authority, and there's just no Bible authority for that, J.D. Well, I like what Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, said in his response. Now, he said, in the way the phrase youth groups are defined by denominations and liberal churches of Christ, there is no authority for such. Generally, when individuals speak of youth groups, they are discussing social and recreational programs sponsored by a local church. One does not find such activity is authorized by the scriptures. However, as parents and or individual Christians, a great deal of good can be accomplished to provide supervised recreation and social activities for young people. In doing so, children and teenagers can have proper association with a type of people that will be an excellent influence upon their lives. In the local church where I labor, we have parents or families as individuals who invite young folks into their homes for such type of supervised activities in addition to periods of devotion and Bible study. The church having special programs for young folks is not within itself wrong. We have Bible classes for our young folks on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. We also have a leadership training class for our young men, teaching men how to lead songs, read scripture, and when they are old enough, study some fundamental principles of sermon preparation and delivery. If a local church desires a special series of meetings, primarily with young people in mind, that is also scriptural, providing that the adults and all individuals are included in these meetings. We need to take great care to respect the authority of the scriptures and not involve the local church collectively in the responsibilities God has assigned to individuals in general and to the home in particular. I think I've just I think Kent has just nailed it with those comments. I really appreciate that, Kent. I think you're right on target. One of the one of the passages of scripture that I would go to to show that there are, there are two realms here. There's what we do as the church, and there's what we do in our homes. And uh, the church has authority to do the important work, too, and that work does not include recreation and entertainment. The home, on the other hand, is a place where that sort of thing can and should take place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, the Corinthians were condemned by Paul because they were coming together in their collective meetings and turning it into just a common meal. And he rebuked them for that. Uh, he said in... 1 Corinthians 11, verse 22, What, have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And then at the end of that chapter, verse 34, he says, If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. So I think there Paul plainly lays out these two realms. It's fine to have common meals at home, enjoy one another's company, entertain the young people and the old people and every other people. But that's not the work of the church. And just from a very uh, common sense or practical sort of way, can you imagine the Apostle Paul organizing the youth at the church in Corinth to take them to an amusement park or to have a softball league or, or you know, uh, to teach them principles of canoeing? I mean, what? You just can't even picture that. You can't even begin to picture that. That obviously was no part of the work of the church in the first century, and it should not be any part of our work either. Anthony in the chat room says, I grew up in a denominational youth group, and unfortunately they had the priorities completely backwards. At least for me, all I looked forward to was the pizza and flag football. I have next to no memory of spiritual impact or learning. Well, that's that, thank you, Anthony, for that. And, that's, and uh, it's interesting that 
the the denominational world is beginning to come around in recognition of that. I think before I get to that, let me. I think Nick had a point to throw in here. Well, you know, when we see the admonitions in the scripture of people assembling together, it says not forsaking the assembling together. It doesn't divide people into various age groups or whatever. We're to provoke one another. So that would be young, old, alike, middle yeah. age, whatever. Exactly right. I think you're exactly right. All right. Um, I've been doing some reading recently, and and the denomina- people in the denominational world, and of course they were the the leaders in going off into this youth group movement. Uh, churches of Christ have followed along, but they they didn't they didn't initiate it. They sort of followed the curve. The denominational world has been out there at the leading edge of that curve, but they're beginning to realize now that it's not working and it's been a failure. Uh, a new study says that a majority of Christian teens abandon their faith upon high school graduation. I got this from a website called CharismaNews.com. The author is named Abby Carr. She says Christian pollster George Barna documented that 61% of today's 20-somethings who had been in a church at one point during their teen years are now spiritually disengaged. They do not attend church. They do not read their Bibles. They do not pray. 60%? 61%. Uh, a national survey sponsored by the National Center for Family Integrated Churches says that the youth group itself is the problem. 55% of American Christians are concerned with modern youth ministry because it's too shallow and too entertainment-focused resulting in an inability to train mature believers. A spokesman for this National Center for Family Integrated Churches, a man named McManus, said, Today's church has created peer dependency. The inherent result of youth groups is that teenagers in the church are focused on their peers, not their parents or their or their preachers. It's a foreign sociology that leads to immaturity. Uh, that- Go ahead. That they're focused on their peers, and peers go, so do they. Yeah. In other words, so yeah. I mean, so that it's, it's dangerous. It takes a few of the who, peers. Who are their leading their, influences? Their spiritual guideposts, yeah. for instance. Yeah. It's it's the, the the younger people, and so as they begin to venture off into sin and and unfaithfulness, then the others will go with them because it's it, the norm, and that's what that's what they're being and led that's, to. That's what we're being led. The the, the the adults are saying, "Here, you guys get together, and you guys, uh, you, this is your group. These are your, be influenced by these people. Influenced by these people. It's dangerous. Instead of influencing the young people, the young people are influencing themselves. That's right. Instead of older folks, that's what these denominational authors are saying. Okay. Uh, uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty. He cites this Mc, fellow named McManus. He's, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "He who walked with wise men will be wise, but the command, the companion of fools will suffer harm." He says, "The result of this is that the youth stumble; they can't see beyond their noses, and spiritual adolescence is prolonged well into adulthood." It's time to re- to throw out the youth group structure entirely. Age segregation, especially during the tender and impactful teenage years, not only hasn't worked; it's been detrimental. It's time parents' primarily obligation. It, it is the parents' primary obligation to discipline their own children, impressing God's commandments on them in the home on a daily basis. That's a denominational author who's saying that. And so I think it's, it's, it's really stunning that folks who have been out there at the leading edge, the cutting edge of this approach, have said, well, wait, you know, we've made a big mistake here. It's not working. It's been detrimental rather than helpful. 
In another article in the Christian Chronicle, there was an interview with a fellow that some of our listeners will recognize his name, Lagarde Smith. Christian Chronicle, these are more liberal churches of Christ who have been actively involved in youth group ministries. Uh, Lagarde Smith was a professor at David Lipscomb University in Nashville. He was asked what he would say if he had the undivided attention of every member of Churches of Christ for 10 minutes. Included in his answer, he says, I would call on the church to abandon youth ministries, which have toppled the spiritual hierarchy. Throughout Scripture, spiritual leadership is not only male, but it's elder. It's the wisdom of years that leads and nurtures younger generations. Youth minister, then, then, then the observation here of this author, Frank Himmel, goes on to say, Youth ministries typically feature two things, abundant recreational activities and shallow, entertaining instruction. What happens when teens who are accustomed to such things become adults? They will immediately consider themselves too old for church-sponsored recreation or suddenly insist on more sober... Excuse me. Will they... In other words, when they they reach older adulthood, will they they immediately consider themselves to be too old for church-sponsored recreation? Or, instead, will they suddenly insist on... On, well, I'm not reading that. He's, will they insist on that continuing, basically, is what he said. In recent years, increasing numbers of congregations which have stood opposed to institutionalism and church-sponsored recreation are beginning to dabble in youth ministries. We don't call them that, of course, but the trend is a cause for concern. Special meetings for young people call for certain speakers, those whose presentations are more entertaining. The truth is slightly slightly repackaged, less Bible reading and exposition, more stories and humor, and lessons that are mostly application with content limited to relevant daily living themes. Parents provide ample food and entertainment. When meetings for young people consistently take on a more entertaining air, when the add-on recreation becomes expected and when it's used along with the worship, even though it's not paid for but from the church treasury, but he's making a point. It's, a lot of times we see this in advertisements from local congregations. It'll mention the, the, the food and fun as a part of the announcement. When brethren begin to say that we may lose our young people without such events, we have gone farther than we think down the wrong path. Uh, uh, that's Frank Himmel's uh, thoughts on it. Okay. All right, so... Uh, we need to get a break and get this week's book. We'll get your thoughts. There's some thoughts coming in the chat room. We want to keep the, the, the discussion going on this. Uh, we've got some more emails to take, uh, lots of, stuff, of things to talk about. Uh, don't go anywhere. The Verse Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Our country accomplished some incredible things during the hard trials of World War II. The feats of brave men and women who faced the enemy on the battlefields inspires us, but there's also amazing historical data that documents the amount of war materials and supplies that were produced in relatively short periods of time right here on the home front. With limited resources that sometimes required rationing, and without the advantages of the technology we now enjoy, the nation's war machine turned out essential equipment at a staggering pace. How was this done? The key to this effort was a campaign to convince every single worker of his or her importance in the ultimate goal of defeating the enemy and winning the war. The leaders of our country successfully persuaded everyone to work hard, make sacrifices, and contribute what they could to this end. The results were amazing. Against huge odds, the victory was won. We're in another sort of war. 
There are no tanks, planes, bombs, or missiles. We do not need workers preparing bullets and medical supplies. There's no need for rationing of gasoline or other necessary products. Instead, we are in a spiritual war, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. We battle against a very real and powerful enemy, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. To win this war, we definitely need every Christian fully engaged. Everyone counts. We cannot afford to have some of our vital workers slacking off in their duties. We must all endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. Diligent effort, significant sacrifice, and determined commitment to the cause are essential. Every Christian serves in a critical capacity. Some might suggest that the odds against us are overwhelming. But in truth, with God on our side, the enemy is doomed. As Elisha told his fearful servant, quote, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. 2 Kings 6, verse 16. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program. Reminding this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Not much time to tell you about it. You know what it is. It's uh, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Check it out there. We would uh, like for you to give us an email if you want to have any questions or comments. Questions at collegeview.com. Okay. Now, uh, we've got some comments here. Uh, let's get Anthony's email. He says, I'll take, uh, I'll kind of take questions one and two together. I would start by saying that this is mostly an area of judgment, except potentially in a case of activities that are purely recreational, et cetera. Uh, so I think we do need to temper our, our discussion by agreeing that there are lots of judgment calls here. Exactly right. Okay. Um, and so Anthony goes on. He says, but I think that this is a separate issue. And he's talking uh, about the, the, the recreation, recreation yeah, church-sponsored right. recreation. Yeah, right. Okay. I will answer with the assumption we're not talking about fun and frolic. So again, I think this is a judgment call unless I'm missing scriptural arguments. And we need to be careful not to force our judgments on others. I think we can all agree on that, that there are judgment calls and we've got to be careful about that. Um, and he goes on. There are pros and cons to the idea of treating youth separately, whether in a youth group, activities, or in teaching scenarios. We should recognize that teens, preteens, do face unique challenges. Timothy was, was young, and Paul gave him specific advice purely on this basis. There are other biblical admonitions directed at youth, which underscores that they do have unique needs. Therefore, tailoring lessons, Bible classes, or other spiritual activities to young people cannot be dis- dismissed as a bad thing I outright. Agree, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Okay. He so said, we should, in other words, he's saying targeted teaching for them is appropriate. And needed. Yes. Okay. Agreed. Because he, and he uses Timothy as an example of that. There was there were specific instructions given to young people, so that's good. Uh, he says we should note that we tailor Bible classes to various ages and grades, including women's classes, etc. Thus, we should not be shy about approaching the spiritual needs of teens in a unique way. I would also say that there could be or can be much good in actually having some instances of separation where only youth are involved. The most obvious benefit that comes to mind is the willingness for teens to be more open and honest and engaged when they do feel uh, do not feel embarrassed, scrutinized, or threatened by adults, particularly by their own parents. I think if you polled women who attend women's Bible classes, they would say they feel much more comfortable and able to share things they would not share in other companies. Same principle with teens. Whether we like it or not, teens are also more likely to connect and respond to a younger, more dynamic speaker and to respond to certain topics because of their stage in life and psychological development. The danger with catering to teen, teenagers is that we try to water down the message or jazz it up to the point that the focus is on the entertainment value rather than the message. Having a teenager-focused meeting or series of meetings carries the potential that it could go off script and lose spiritual focus. 
However, these are definitely not foregone conclusions. It is possible to avoid these pitfalls. We need to be careful not to write off valuable opportunities to teach teenage traffic because other people or congregations have done it wrong. We don't have to go to the extreme of denominational youth groups. I grew up in one where the focus is 90% fun, frolic, and only 10% Bible. Clearly, the focus needs to be on teaching sound doctrine without any without unscriptural or unwise additions. But I find no basis to say that we cannot treat our youth in a unique way. We just have to do it wisely. I wouldn't have any disagreement with anything Anthony said there. But one thing I would add is that when we do have uh, teen-focused lessons or series and so forth, I don't think I've ever heard of one that dealt with instrumental music. What's wrong with instrumental music? We're going to have a teen session. We're going to have we're going to and we're going to have a teen weekend, and it's going to be focused on defending the faith on important doctrinal issues, instrumental music, baptism for the remission of sins. Uh, There are no miracles of the Holy Spirit being performed today. Have Have you ever seen a teen weekend? That focused on, and on those kind of doctors, and, and and I'm seeing it already. That we've got a generation of young people come along. They don't know beans from taters when it comes to those doctrinal issues. I recently had an occasion to teach uh, some of our young people here, and I was rather shocked at their difficulty in defending basic doctrinal truths that we that we have to defend on a regular basis. Uh, I think. And so I, I do think that teens have special challenges. I think we should address them. But I'm afraid we're addressing the so-called teen issues so exclusively in these teen meetings that we're we're ending up with a generation that's not well-grounded in basic doctrinal truths. Okay, let's go on. Anthony uh, continues, says, just because it's true that all ages can benefit any time, the Bible is being preached doesn't mean that all ages must or should be present any time the Bible is preached. We openly segregate Bible classes every Sunday. A teen weekend consisting of youth-appropriate Bible lessons delivered in a lecture format is no different than a teenage Bible class on Sunday morning. Just because it's lecture style in a church-owned auditorium does not make it an assembly of the congregation that requires everyone's attendance. If there's nothing wrong with segregating Sunday morning Bible classes in which adults miss out on the lessons being taught, in a teen class, then there's nothing wrong with adults being present from, from lectures absent, absent. or absent from lectures for teens on any other day of the week. Again, judgment. If the congregation doesn't want to discourage adults from attending teen geared lectures, that is fine. But we cannot say it's wrong to encourage only mostly only or mostly teens to attend any given Bible lesson. We do it every Sunday. I, think, I agree with Anthony on that. And then he has one more add-in. Okay. Note. He said, "I also add that I think that some have made the mistake of thinking teens should only be taught in a segregated fashion and should be pandered to at all times." This, again, is a judgment, but I think a demonstrably unwise one. We should expect our youth to learn, to adapt to all situations, and to be more than happy in mixed-age groups and old-fashioned assemblies with boring old preachers. But if done right, it's also beneficial to occasionally tailor scriptural, spiritual things to teens whose development stage is unique, as is every stage in life. I, I Thank agree. you, Anthony, I for agree those with good you, I agree with, with your observations, yep. Anthony. Right. I, think, I think they're right. Uh, you used a word there that I, I and I think that we are guilty of crossing the line sometimes, pandering to the young people all the time, to the point that young people. I don't know if anybody else. Maybe I'm just a cranky. Well, you. I'm just a cranky old you're getting, man. You're getting. But, uh, uh, you're getting close to the line. Here. Yeah, but but the thing of it is, young people 
are not interacting with older people. Do you see it, Nick? Do you see that there's that in in a lot of instances the young people go off by themselves and they they don't tend to to connect with and it's probably it's, the old people are probably as guilty of 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 causing that as as the young people are. But it seems like in years gone by, young people wanted to interact with old people. Now they don't see that. Are you observing that, Nick? You're not as old I, as me, but you're not far behind. <laughs> I, I see it to some degree, depending on where I'm at and what the you know what the environment of people are. Uh, I have to say, down where I'm from, I'm from a very rural area. So if you don't get everybody together, pretty much, and we have a lot of young men and, and young children, and they do interact with older people. So that that's my experience. But I, I understand what you're saying as well. If you get people segregated one from the other. Uh, teens have a tendency to to get off in their little groups, yeah. and and if we're not careful, even as older people, we may tend to ignore them and not group. not try to get them to come in. And but it, it seems to me like, and again, I'm I'm just speaking as as an old we're man. Getting, and we're getting into we're, we need to concede Anthony's point. We're getting into the realm of judgment. But it just to me seems like young people are are not as inclined to. It used to be young people wanted to sit around and hear the old people talk and and relate experiences and so forth, and I, I don't. I don't see as much of that anymore. All right. Um, guest 4891. We need to get to the chat room and tend to it for your quickly. In my opinion, for certain studies or events, I don't think there's anything wrong with having young people studies, etc. We do that from time to time with other things, classes for parents or for husbands and wives, etc. However, if it is that way all the time, then I believe everyone is missing out on wisdom we can gain from listening to others at different age and maturity levels in classes or get-togethers. Appreciate 4891 for saying that. It makes me think of, of Paul's instructions to Timothy, uh, Nick. Tim, Paul wasn't telling Timothy just to be an example to other young people. He was no. to be an example to all. He says to the believers. Right. So there, so not only, you know, not only should the older be examples to the younger, the younger can be an encouragement to the older as well. And, and not to let people despise his youth. So, you know, yeah. he recognized him as a youth and they were, certainly he took him with him on trips and, uh, uh, and so he was trying to encourage him as a young man. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anthony agrees, and Anthony says the potential issue is the frequency. It should not be frequent or all the time, but I'm unaware of a scriptural basis for saying that when the doors are open, we must have everyone present. I don't think any. I don't think we can make that argument either, Yeah. Uh, that we all have to be. Oh, know, yeah. Right. We couldn't have a special meeting just for uh, some. Uh, Anthony says, regularly or exclusively isolating young people is definitely not healthy, as you're saying, but there's no harm in doing it for two or three hours a year. Yeah, I agree. agree. I agree. I got, I got an email from Ed And, and one more. He says, these are all mistakes in, of judgment, different than saying the scriptures prohibit it. Exactly. Exactly. We agree. Okay, thanks. We agree. Thanks, Anthony. Ed in Paris, Tennessee, wrote, people can always benefit from the ideas and experiences of peers, but it should at least be guided by some wisdom. Youth gatherings are great, especially if they're taught to focus their energy on serving others. Paul teaches that God has placed different members within the body, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But the parts do not function to selfishly serve themselves, but the body. Isolating young people from the church is damaging to them and to others. Separating them for some training so that they can go back and contribute uh, is consistent with God's purposes. I love seeing young people segregated and sitting in front of the worships. Uh, I hate seeing them segregated and sitting in the back. Yeah. So, I guess, so right. I guess it depends on the reason and the and the fruit born from being segregated. Thanks, Ed. Uh, good to hear from you from Paris, 
Tennessee tonight. Uh, and Anthony says, I absolutely agree that poor judgment in regard to coddling youth is very damaging. Uh, those quotations from those writers were all based on personal judgment, no scriptures. We have to be very careful here to make a distinction between judgment and scripture. Agree, Anthony. We need to. Uh, well, it, it is judgment, but what I what really rang out in those uh, uh, quotes to me is their experience. They're just relating experience, as you said. They're not relating scripture, but they're relating their experience that their youth group efforts have been a total failure. Yeah. And 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 we uh, uh, there's something to learn from that. It's not scripture, obviously, but it, there is there is a. Uh, a takeaway. And uh, Anthony says, I think this is exactly why there has to be a limited amount of this segregation. They need a hearty, uh, hearty diet of the basics, as you were saying. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, uh, okay, everybody's got uh, comments tonight. Uh, thank you all for uh, signing in the chat room and, and sharing those. Uh, certainly lots of things to talk about. We are talking about lots of things in the realm of judgment here tonight. Uh, but yeah, some th- and, things and, that we need to, we definitely need to think about. We want to use pro- good judgment. And so it's, 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 it's good judgment. To think it's, it's all, it, there's a lot of judgment. We use that word a lot here, and I agree. But but there are good judgments and bad, and we want to make good judgments as much as we're able to. And so you know we need to take all of this and sort of throw it in the mix to make. This. Let's get. Uh, we've got a break, and we've got a lot to round to go. When we get back, what do our young people need, and 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 how do they need it in regard to pure Bible teaching, respect for authority, consideration for choices and consequences, and good examples from parents and other Christians, and. What things do you see as essential in helping our young people to grow and mature spiritually? All right, we're going to get to that and go fast to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. About a third of Americans, 34%, identify with a different religious group than the one in which they were raised. That information is via the Pew Research Center. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. All right, we're going to the top of the hour. We're going fast, so uh, grab a a hold of your seat and hold on, because uh, here we go. All right, so I put down four things I had on my list that I think young people really need. I don't think anybody could argue with these points. They need, first, pure Bible teaching. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. And so, you know, if you're feeding a baby, you feed them pure milk, you, and, and it's, it's, it's not contaminated, and you, you go to a lot of trouble to keep everything sterile and clean when you have a new baby. That same concept here is what Peter's describing, the sincere milk of the word. Because what you want of these young people is... Hebrews 5, verse 14, strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. 
even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we want we want to bring these young people up with the sincere milk of the word so that they'll be able to handle the meat. And, and, and so the process there is the process of spiritual maturity. But they're going to have to have pure, sound Bible teaching in order to do that. They're never going to... They're never going to be able to to handle the the strong meat of the word if if they're just fed pablum all the time. Fed so, what? Pablum. You know what pablum is, don't you? Yeah. Pablum is what I might say. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to eat any of that, whatever that is. Uh, and uh, well, here's what Ed says in Paris. He says uh, pure Bible teaching. The Bible needs to be taught as fresh and exciting. If we can challenge young people to delve deeper into the word then we will find them less tempted by and drifting into error. I think that's exactly right. But it's got to, it's, there's, there's got to be substance there. There's got to be uh, some, some real depth of study rather than just this shallow kind of thing that sometimes is exemplified. I think that's what some of those denominational authors were suggesting. Anthony in the chat room says when he was in a denominational youth group growing up, he can't even remember anything about it that had any spiritual emphasis at all. That's obviously not going to get the job done. Our, our, our young people desperately need pure Bible teaching, and that has to be a priority. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I had on my list was we need to teach our young people to respect authority. Okay. Uh, authority in the home, authority in the government, authority of God in the church uh, needs to be taught. Uh, passages like Ephesians 6, beginning verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, and so on it goes. We need we need to instill in them a deep respect for authority. Uh, I think that's a challenge because we live in a free land and a free time, and everybody's welcome to voice their criticisms and gripes and complaints all the time, and we do. And maybe we're not teaching our kids well enough to respect authority, so they need that. All right, excellent. Uh, uh, we need we need to teach kids that choices have consequences. Uh, uh, Galatians six verse seven: God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, so we need to teach our kids, you know, that the choices you make will bear consequences, and you need to see the end from the beginning, sort of. Uh, and I think that's really important for young people. Okay. Uh, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. So uh, uh, young people need to understand even spiritual consequences to the choices that they make, and, and that we really need to stress that. Okay. And then the last thing of the four that I had on my list is young people need a good example from their parents and from others. Uh, they're going to learn from our example probably more than they're going to learn from our words, and we need to set a good example. Ephesians 6, verse 4, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh and so we need to we need to set a great example for them. All right, uh, Kent uh, from Calhoun, Georgia says: pure Bible teaching, respect for authority, consideration for choices and consequences, good example from parents and other Christians are all essential components that all individuals need to learn, especially young people. These biblical principles need to be taught within the teaching program of the local church. Also, it's highly critical that these components also be taught in the home. God has assigned the responsibility of child rearing to the home, not the church. You know, I think that's really important. Uh, 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 I've known of instance. I, I knew an instance once years and years ago, where this uh, man he had only one son, uh, 
but the man himself was not faithful. He 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 wasn't a, a very faithful Christian at all, and and in lots of different ways he manifested that unfaithfulness. His son grew up to not have any interest in spiritual things, and that that father told me one day he says, you know, the elders really need to do something, or they're going to lose they're going to lose him. You know, his son. They said the elders got to do something, or they're going to lose my son. Well, the, the elders can do all they want, but if the father's not going to do his job, the, the elders are not going to be able to pull off. The church is not going to be able to pull off. The church can be a, a, an assist in teaching and instructing and helping, uh, uh, but the, the primary responsibility is in the home. Yeah, the church is, and, and, and quite frankly, the church's Bible class program is not going to get it done. No. It, it can't get it done. No. It, it help, but it's not going to get the job done. If you get them there for every Bible class, it's not going to get the job done. Yeah, it's just not the main thing. Uh, guest 4891 says, choices have consequences. My dad used to tell me, if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Your dad was right. Yeah. Um, Ed uh, uh, goes on to say, it is essential to show our young people the characters in the Bible as facing the same types of situations we all face. Can we identify with Aaliyah, who was unloved by her husband? How would we handle being so hated by our brothers that they wanted to kill us, like Joseph, and all we tried to do was to please our father? If no one is correcting us, does that mean we are necess- uh, that we are necessarily on the right path? Obviously, no. Uh, so I think that's a really good point that Ed brings out. There are a lot of Bible characters who... We have the idea that we live in a completely different time, but those Bible characters were facing some of the exact same challenges and that young people today. So face. some of the teaching that we need to, our young people is to show them young people from the scriptures who who won the battle. Yeah, uh, and they can take encouragement from that. And as Paul Smithson said when we talked to him, he's going to base a lot of his considerations in this upcoming series on Saturday and Sunday. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can. We can do it. Uh, and we just need to have that confidence that with faith and trust in God, we can live the way he wants us to live. Nick? Yeah, young, young people need to make sure that the faith is their faith, not not the faith just that their parents have or others around them. But it need, and that's true of older people alike as well. But if you look at David, you know, uh, he, he goes uh, against Goliath and while he's doing that, he's going against his brother. You know, his brother says, you're out here, you know, just to they save were, the battle. Why are yeah. you not keeping the sheep? He's yeah. having to fight within the family. Saul, eventually, he has to fight, you know. But he's faithful because he has faith in God. And and that was because, like you're saying, he respected and had had his authority from God and how he handled himself with God. And, and if young people can have that, it's the same thing older people must have. Yeah. And so... All of us, no matter what age we are, we're going to have to have that where we can give answer for what we believe and make sure that our answer is from the faith, the rule of God. It's kind of interesting when you stop to think about it, how many great heroes of the faith are held up in the Bible as young people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think about David. You think about Joseph. You think about Daniel. There are just a lot of of Mm -hmm. great heroes of the faith in the Bible who were young people who lived for God. Uh, Kent uh, goes on from Calhoun, Georgia, says being taught the Bible in word as well as example consistently and constantly. As parents, we need to make certain that children have association with the right type of people and that as adults, we are daily living faithful to the Lord. 
Uh, appreciate those comments from Kent and Anthony in the chat room says, I think maybe the reason some groups make poor judgment and end up pandering to young people is they have an overly anxious approach to making sure we save the teens. But as the commenter says, uh, this is the responsibility. I think he's referring to Kent. This is his comments. This is the responsibility of the home. Perhaps if we recognize this, we would be less inclined to compromise an effort to reach the youth. We should show the youth that we're concerned about them, but not by lowering the bar or watering things down. I agree. Really good. Okay. Well said. All right. All right. So um, I think we've touched on a number of important principles. Uh, some of these things that we talked about here at the end, things that we can actually put our finger on and say, this is not judgment. This is essential. Pure Bible teaching. <coughs> Respect for authority. To understand consequences of choices, to have a good example set before them by uh, their parents and others. Those, those are, those are absolutes. That, those are not judgment things. <coughs> but we, we talked about other things at the start of the program, uh, about class arrangements, about the kind of lessons that are taught and when and, and how. There's, there's judgment involved in that. And all of us, uh, I, I, I I want to emphasize that all of us want the best for our young people. We want to see them grow and mature spiritually. And so we want to make good judgments in leading them in that direction. And it's uh, not <coughs> going to happen by chance. We all need to be working to encourage our young people, Yeah, especially I, I, parents. Parents especially, but I would also encourage all the people in, in, a, in the church, in, in a local congregation, I, th- I think sometimes the the older folks just think that that well that's that's the response of somebody, responsibility of somebody else to see to that, but young people can be a real positive influence on on even n- not just their relatives you know I, mean, I can remember as a kid growing up some of the older folks and very positive right. influence on me. Well, you know, you make one of the articles I think you read talked about the peers just sort of getting in a circle and focusing on themselves. Older people have that same danger. I mean, we can yeah. all oh, those young people look at, but we need to all encourage everyone. Yeah, uh, we all have a part to play. As one of the, I think one of the chat room comments tonight said uh, that we're all part of the body. Yeah, Ed, I think in Paris. Oh, Ed did. Yeah. yeah, we're all part of the body, and uh, we need to be doing our part, whatever that part may be. Well, we're just almost out of time. Anything else, Nick? Anything? I, I, I think that's been well said. All right, we we want to emphasize one more time here, Jake, just before we end the program, about this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, the 27th, 28th, Saturday at 4 and 7, which are kind of unusual time arrangement there, 4 and 7 on Saturday, and then normal time Sunday morning, 9.30, 10.30, and then 2.30, which is different, 2.30 on Sunday afternoon. Five lessons. They are especially geared to have... Uh, a strong uh, teaching impact on young people, but also all of us. Everything that's listed as sermon topics that Paul Smithson will be teaching are things we all need to hear. Yep, certainly. Uh, and so we hope you'll make plans for that. And uh, P.S. We'll podcast it if you can't, but uh, please try and be here. All right, good discussion tonight, uh, Nick. Thanks for being here. Thank, thank, and, and th- thank you, Mark, for getting us on the air and. Uh, and, Dad, thank you for a good discussion. Tonight. Thanks, Jay. Thanks to everyone in the chat room for your comments and for our emailers as well. And uh, we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another of God's Word.